Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Episcopal Church in Vero Beach, Florida. We are glad to have you join us. Our hope is that this sermon will instill you with a profound sense of God's love and that you might receive and reflect His glory to your community. From St. John's Gospel, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Good morning, friends. Stalwart crew of unstoppable sheep, despite the rain. I have a great quote. Uh, it's a little deeper than it seems on the, sounds on the first. My friend, uh, Father Danny Clark, who is from Charleston, South Carolina, used to say that sentiment is the smother of true religion. Sentiment is the smother of true religion. Or, like I like to say, I like to refer to sentiment in the context of Christian theology as refrigerator magnet theology, meaning that oftentimes what we think we believe in those little stupid magnets you put on your fridge about different things, that sometimes the sentiment actually overshadows the actual message of what the scriptures are trying to tell us. And today is a great example, perfect example. Today is a great example of sentiment running almost, you might say, counter to the truth of the gospel. The reason being, today is referred to typically as Good Shepherd Sunday. It's the fourth Sunday after Easter, and Good Shepherd Sunday is when people talk about Jesus as the Good Shepherd, which is great. The problem is we tend to think of Jesus not as the Good Shepherd, but as the Nice Shepherd. What I mean by that is if you uh, Google it when you get home, don't do it in church, but you can Google when you get home, people, when they think of Jesus as the good shepherd, they think of Jesus with a white dress and long flowy hair and rosy cheeks, you know, walking along a riverbank or something, a little, little sheep sort of frolicking around in Easter joy, right? That's the image. And in fact, my former church, Trinity Church in Red Bank, New Jersey, had a great big stained glass Tiffany window over the altar of this exact thing. Jesus with long hair and red cheeks and a long flowy dress. And it was just, there's Jesus. Not the good shepherd, but the nice shepherd. But Jesus doesn't say, I'm the nice shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. And friends, nice and good are two very different things. So today I'm going to try to rid you of this smothering sentiment of theology, and we're going to talk about Jesus Christ as the good shepherd with two points, and this is profound. That's why I'm coming at you with it. Who is the good shepherd? What is the good shepherd? You might say, who is this good shepherd and what makes him good? Who is the good shepherd and what makes him good? You ready? All right, so first question, who is the good shepherd? You know, it's kind of like a Sunday school question, right? Every question, the right answer is what? Jesus. (laughs) Of course, who is the good shepherd? Well, you could say the good shepherd is Jesus. Okay, fine. Yes. But there's a lot more to it, a lot more to it than meets the eye. Let me show you. Um, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Okay? It's an important Greek nuance there, which you miss. And if you were not a first century Jew, you'd miss. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am is two words in Greek, ego and me. 
And in fact, in John's gospel, Jesus uses this expression, I am, seven times. Seven, of course, is the number of perfection in ancient Near Eastern uh, numerology. Six, 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 is evil. Seven, seven, seven is good. So Jesus uses this expression, I am, seven times. And I'll read a few. John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Okay? John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. John 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. And then today, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. You get the idea, right? But here's the, here's the hook. I am is not just a description of his present uh, situation of authority. If I said to you, I am the rector, okay, that's one thing. That is not what Jesus is saying. His statement, I am, is profound, and I'm going to show you why. Put on your first century Jewish hats a minute and think back to Exodus chapter 3, where Moses, minding his own business, strolling along, eating a candy bar, and he sees a burning bush, and it startles him, and it says, Moses, Moses. And he says, here I am. And of course, Moses is a little bit spooked and a little bit freaked out, right? A burning bush. I mean, what is that about, right? And he says, and the burning bush who Moses recognizes as God says, Moses, I've got a mission for you. I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people, what? Go, let my people go. And Moses says, this is a little weird, but okay, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, but who would... If they ask me what God is sending them, what do I say? And it's an interesting point because God, before that in Genesis, uh, had always referred to himself in relational terms. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But that's relational. What, what Moses is asking God is, God, what is your, your name, your proper name? And God says, Moses, tell him Joe Paterno sent you. No, he doesn't say that. He says, Moses, my name is I am. Yahweh, we put letters in there to make sense of it. It's actually a nonsensical word. I isness would be a better way to look at it, but that's not the point. The point is the God of the burning bush says, Moses, tell them, when they ask you my name, my name is I am, Yahweh. Well, here's the funny thing. If you translate Yahweh into Greek, you get the two words, ego, me. Don't miss it. Jesus uses I am seven times in the John's Gospel, not to refer to the God of the Old Testament, but to refer to him himself. Jesus is claiming, and that word, ego, me, he is claiming to be the God of the burning bush. <laughs> Jesus is claiming to be the God of the Israelites. He's claimed to be the God of which the entire Old Testament speaks. And in case you are thinking to yourself, all right, Rodriguez, I think you're, this is a little creative, exegetical technique for you. I don't buy it. I'll prove it to you, and here's why. Here's another zinger that Jesus throws at you. In another part of John's Gospel, Jesus says to the people of the crowd, Jesus says, you ready for this one, boys and girls? He says, Jesus says, before Abraham was... I am. What? Jesus is maybe 31, 32 years old. 
Abraham's been dead for 2,000 and change years, and Jesus is referring to himself as the God, who, the person who existed before Abraham, and that he is the great I am. Man, if you're a first century Jew, that's a, that's a mind-blowing statement. And, what he, and so exactly for that reason, if you know in John chapter 8, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, and the people pick up rocks to stone him. For what? For blasphemy. Why? Because Jesus claims to be God. People want to make him the nice shepherd. People want to make Jesus this wandering guru, this, this Breck girl who never offends anyone, who's got long flowy hair and never challenges anyone and goes for long strolls on the beach with us. Nonsense. Friends, that option is not open to us. That option is not open to what Jesus claims about himself. <laughs> he makes the outrageous claim, I am. I am the God of all creation. I am the God who met Moses in the burning bush. I am the God who created you. He claims in that one statement, ego me, I am, Jesus claims to be the God of all creation. He claims to be the, the most powerful being that ever existed. He claims to be, as Thomas Aquinas, 13th century monk, would define the uncaused cause. Jesus claims to be the most powerful being that ever existed, who came to earth for one reason, for you. So who is this shepherd? Jesus, yes, he's God. He claims it, and he proves it through his miracles and through the people that see the lives that he changes. That's the evidence. That's for another day. My second point, though, that this, this shepherd is Jesus who claims to be God. And then the bigger question and the profound one and the cool one, in my view, is what makes him good, right? <laughs> uh, listen closely to another Jesus Zinger. You ready for this? Jesus says, I am, egoi me, the good shepherd, Jesus says. And here's the, here's the money quote. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Listen to that again. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Well, first of all, if Jesus is the shepherd, it means that you and I are sheep. And I got news for you, folks. It's not a terribly flattering image. <laughs> sheep are cute when they're clean. Sheep are, make good sweaters or when you live up north, you know, out of their... But, they're, but, you know, sheep are stupid. They're dumb. They're smelly. They, uh, they will wander off a cliff completely unawares. Bah! Woo! Off they go. <laughs> and they are completely, they are completely dependent upon their shepherd. And what Jesus is saying, he is the good shepherd who comes to save the sheep like you, who do things like follow the crowd. Anybody here do that? Never. Who do things like self-destructive behaviors, not even really thinking about it. Ever do that? Of course not. Who do things that they look back and go, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Ever do that? Of course you have. You know why? You're a sheep. And so am I. We do dumb things. We follow the crowd. We make mistakes. We're sinners. And in fact, sheep are so dependent on their shepherd. Psalm 23 actually describes it. Go through and listen to, read it again. He says, he shall, verse 2, he shall, he shall feed me in green pastures. He will lead me forth beside the waters of comfort. You know why? The waters of comfort mean still waters. And that's important because a sheep will go right over a, a river 
to drink the water and bloop, fall in and go right down, tumbling down all the way. They're stupid. They're dumb. They make mistakes. They're us. And in fact, they are so completely dependent upon their shepherd, if they wander away, like we all do, they will be dead in moments. You know, if you let a, if you let a cat go, right? Why you would want to keep a cat in the first place is another question. But if you, let, if you let a cat go, it will become feral, right? It'll eat mice and stuff. You let a pig go wild, it'll, it'll go feral. It'll grow tusks and hair and all that stuff. You let, you let a sheep go, you will, you will never, you will, I promise you one thing, you will never be attacked by a wild sheep, ever. <laughs> because they, we, we cannot save ourselves. We follow the herd. We do dumb things. But Jesus, here's the zinger, Jesus the good shepherd says that he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Now back to the question, is that really true? These guys he's talking to are, incidentally, shepherds. And he says to them, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Is that true? Let me ask you. Imagine you're a dog trainer, right? You raise dogs, you teach them to sit, you teach them to fetch, fetch you teach them to walk on a leash. If you're Officer Vasquez, you teach them to be with you as an officer in the canines. But, but if you're a dog trainer, would you, would you die for your dog? Would you die for it? You might love it. You might care for it. You might do everything in your power to save it, but would you die for it? Or, or say you, uh, you raise hamsters, or you've got a pet guinea pig at home, or you've got, I don't know, tropical fish. Would you die to save one? We've had all those things in my house, by the way. Uh, would you give your life to save one? The answer is no. It's absurd. It's crazy talk. And, and the point I want you to see here is, is important because Jesus is talking to shepherds and he says, yeah, the good shepherd dies for the sheep. But that's a foolish thing to say. Logically, a good shepherd, even a remotely competent shepherd, doesn't die for his sheep. Why? Because if he dies for that sheep, the rest of them are going to be wolf fodder or fall off cliffs or get eaten by birds or whatever. A good shepherd doesn't die for his sheep. It's, it's absurd. And the people there hearing it would have thought, that's the stupidest thing I've heard all day. However, here's the hook. What Jesus is driving at, a good shepherd dying for his sheep, is in fact foolish unless one thing is true. <laughs> dying for your sheep is foolish and stupid unless one thing is true. Unless if somehow, by the shepherd's death, all of the sheep's enemies would be destroyed once and for all. The only way that a shepherd dying for his sheep makes any sense is if by the shepherd's death, that shepherd could guarantee their life. Let me ask you a question. Um, you track with me so far? Okay. Let me ask you a question. What is... What is your ultimate enemy? I mean, what goes to 10? On the enemy meter, what's number 10? What's the last enemy that you and I have to face? Financial ruin? Eh, maybe. Sickness? Yeah, maybe. Uh, marital problems, kid problems, you know, fill in the blank. We've all got stuff. Me too. But those things are really only symptoms. 
as bad as those, as those things are, none of those things is your ultimate enemy. You could rebound. You could recover. Listen, here's the point. Your ultimate enemy and mine, your ultimate wolf, your greatest wolf, to keep the sheep metaphor, is death, right? Everything else pales in comparison. Death, as one of the Anglican martyrs said, that great uh, death had a wonderful way of clarifying the mind. It's a great quote. But death is the ultimate enemy for you and for me. But what if the shepherd dying for his sheep could conquer that enemy once and for all? See, the reason, friends, that the good shepherd is good, the reason he's good, is because through his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ defeats death itself, our ultimate enemy. And so, sheep, our shepherd gives his life for his sheep. And he goes there to pay for our sins. He goes there to pay for the debts that we cannot cover on our own. So here's the question for you today. Has the good shepherd, has the good shepherd saved you? If the good shepherd has died for you, friends, you have, you have nothing, you have nothing to fear. You have, if death itself has been conquered, you and I have no enemies that can defeat us, right? Every, even death has been conquered by Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. The only thing left to you and I is to decide how to respond. You know, in Acts chapter 4, a minute. In Acts chapter 4, Peter is describing the actions of this good shepherd, how this good shepherd has healed a man who was crippled. And the crowds gather around, and Peter says, Men and women of Jerusalem, there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. No other name. There is no other name under heaven given amongst mortals by which we must be saved. How do you hear that? How does our culture hear that. Our culture hears that as exclusionary, intolerant, that we, the church, are the club trying to keep people out. But friends, as followers of the Good Shepherd, we hear that call not as exclusionary, but as missionary. That the good news is our charge to be shared, that we are called to share our, the good news of the Good Shepherd who has died to save us as sheep and set us free. Let me ask you a question. Say, say you're sitting around one day at the, at the kitchen messing around, and you discover a cure for cancer, right? Just like that. That's how that works, right? You discover a cure for cancer, and you, go, you would go and you would take that medicine, and you would say, I have the solution. I have found the answer to all your problems if you are struggling with cancer. And you would say, here it is. Here's the answer. Here is your, here's what you do to be saved from it. Well, friends... Jesus' claims that he is the only way is not exclusionary, but missionary, just like you, if you had the cure for cancer, would be the one called to then go out and spread it. Because you and I have been given the call, the challenge, the charge, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is the one who saves us as his sheep, that there is no other person who has ever lived or ever will live, not Moses, not Abraham, not Muhammad, not the Buddha. There's only one man, the Good Shepherd, who is both God and man, who saves all mankind who put their trust in him. Friends, only Jesus can close the gap. Only Jesus can save the sheep. Only Jesus can save you, but it's up to you and to me 
to spread that news, to tell others about him. For God's sake, if we don't do it, if the sheep can't spread the good news, who will? Friends, Jesus Christ is not the nice shepherd. He is, thanks be to God, the good shepherd who lays down his life to save you, who offers the good news for all those who trust in him, to all those who follow him as their shepherd. Friends, there is no other way to be saved than get out there and tell someone about it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.